Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenhouse. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications. And this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today. Ruth, you and I have known Ron Jacobs as a longstanding colleague in direct marketing. And as you know, he's written the book on the subject, first with Bob Stone, and then revised it with updated content. It's been translated into seven languages. Wow. Yeah. And in Japan, the book was renamed The Marketing because it reflects the tools and techniques of modern marketing. Um, It's now in its eighth edition. And, you know, we do consider him to be the preeminent professional on direct and database marketing and has taught and lectured on the subject worldwide. So um, do you agree we should have Ron catch us up on the topic? I'm so happy he's agreed to join us. Welcome, Ron. Thank you. Thank you. We're thrilled to uh, have you join us, Ron. And for our listeners, can you take a few minutes to first define the characteristics of what we call direct marketing and take us on a little journey of, um, you know, how we got to where we were to where we are today? So... My textbook definition of direct marketing is the interactive use of advertising media to enable an immediate behavior modification in such a way that this behavior can be tracked, recorded, analyzed, and stored on a database for future retrieval and use. And if I break that down, what we're saying is we're using today a lot of different marketing channels. We're using it to capture behaviors of what consumers do and users do. We're using that, uh, uh, we're, we're storing that data in a database so that we can pull that information up and use it for future marketing efforts. And that really is what the definition, I think, of direct marketing is. But you can also see that that pretty much the definition of what marketing is today. So it, it, it's easy to see how this has become Uh, a modern way of thinking about marketing, which goes back an awful long time. Um, In the U.S., we look at seed catalogs, which go back as far as before the Revolutionary War. America was an agrarian economy. We got seeds from, from Europe. Then we started our own seed catalogs in the U.S., and that was probably in the mid-19th century. Uh, as, as we got toward the end of the 19th century, mail order companies started, uh, Sears and, and Montgomery Wards. Montgomery Wards really the founder of mail order. I'm in Chicago. Chicago is a center of mail order. Uh, New York and uh, the West Coast have, have always been centers of, of different kind of media, East Coast being advertising and West Coast being much more movies and entertainment. But Chicago was always that center of mail order, and mail order really grew into direct mail. But fast forward to the mid-50s, where we all of a sudden had computers, and computers revolutionized the way direct marketing worked. Because before that, we could uh, remember the name of 100 
customers, but we couldn't remember the names of a thousand customers or, or, or a million customers. And as marketing grew into this bigger and bigger kind of, of uh, ecosystem, we needed tools to do that. And that's where computers started to, to create databases and originally what we called flat files, just nothing more than uh, uh, spreadsheets with names and addresses in each of the columns. And then uh, it evolved into much more sophisticated computers that we have today. And today, direct mail is still a predominant use for direct marketing, but email is another use. And if we look at direct mail and email, they're so similar. Uh, we have headlines in both. We have subject lines in one, but we have teaser copy in the other. The way we write is now being affected. And I'll, I'll talk a little more about that as we go in, into our discussion today. Great. Well, I love that very quick history and sort of makes me quite proud too to be part of the, the tradition of, of direct marketing. I think Cindy probably feels the same way. And we're also quite thrilled that direct marketing, as you mentioned, Ron, has become marketing. Mm -hmm. And um, it's an amazing story that your book has a title to that effect in the Japanese edition. It's sort of the revenge of the data-driven nerds, isn't it? It is, <laughs> very much. <laughs> we're, so, we're so lucky to have grown up in that industry and, and, and those techniques. So how does that present itself in today's world. I, I, I'm pretty sure that digital marketers are, while they're definitely doing what direct marketers have done for, yeah. for decades, they're not calling themselves direct marketers particularly, right. right? Right. So how does that kind of shake out, Ron, in your opinion? So when we look at modern copy and creative work, we, we look for some of the same things in email and in digital marketing that we have in direct mail. For example, uh, there's the use of calls to action. There's the use of offers. There's the use of storytelling. Direct marketers have always been great storytellers. And, and we've always had this uh, discussion about, is it brand marketing? Is it response marketing? Is it brand? Is it response? Well, storytelling is more brand oriented, but we've used storytelling in, in direct marketing. We're really seeing these forms uh, complement each other. So even the very form of direct mail has gotten shorter. I have a client that has the 100 word rule for letters. If a letter is more than 100 words, a direct mail letter is more than 100 words, they won't even test it. Wow. So, yeah, we're seeing how people are getting so used to shorter copy. Now, personally, I like the use of English still, so I don't like it in a letter where I see the same kind of copy used in search or in some emails. But, but more and more, the, uh, the best parts of that really are complementing each other. Yeah, I'm reminded of the famous Wall Street Journal, Two Young Men story, where mm -hmm. it took, what would you say, maybe about 400 words to to conduct the now I think the most famous and successful direct mail letter of all time so yes M my old co-author uh, Bob Stone uh, the late Bob Stone 
uh, was very proud of, a, of an eight-page letter that he had written for fundraising at some point. Um, we wouldn't concede today of trying to write an eight-page letter because we wouldn't have time to write it uh, and no one would have time to read it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like that Mark Twain quote, I would have written a shorter letter if I had had the time, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'd like to pick up on something you said there, Ron. So we're saying that digital marketers are actually performing many of the tasks and strategies that are part of direct marketing over and above copywriting or storytelling. Could you drill into that a little bit further for us. What is What else are digital marketers doing that they may not even realize are like fundamentally came from direct marketing roots? Well, when we think of mail order, we, we think of something where we really are, are trying to sell people on a product and maybe get them to buy something else. And, and, and that idea is so similar to what we see in, in traditional direct marketing and in, and in email. When we look at how we're trying to create databases of, of consumers, we as marketers used to use a lot of outbound communications uh, to, to, to create that, but we had inbound uh, data that we were able to use to mail that third-party data uh, th- that we we're able to rent. Well, that's not something that got moved into uh, digital marketing. The use of building databases, whether it's a subscriber base or a member base or, or whatever, uh, is exactly the same as what we've been doing. So you create a database or you identify a people of like interests, and now you market to them. And interest is another one of those issues, uh, trying to reach people at a time when, they're, uh, when they've indicated something about uh, a purchase behavior or what they've searched on. Now we can talk to them uh, about a product or service, uh, knowing that they're uh, predisposed to it. I can think of another one, Ron, namely that digital marketers measure the results oh, of their absolutely. marketing based on Respo- counting responses the yeah. same way direct marketers have for you decades. Yeah, we've done that for a hundred years. Yes, a- absolutely. And that's exactly right. Uh, that measurement is such a big deal. Today, we talk about KPIs and all, all the different things. We have these wonderful dashboards. Um, I, I want to be very clear that when I look at direct marketing and digital marketing and, and global marketing uh, in general, I see how they all complement each other and how we've learned from each other. So if I'm a direct marketer, I want to have a dashboard of all these, uh, of all these things to be able to check and see what, what's working. Testing is another one. Uh, we, were, we were doing testing, again, 100 years ago. Now digital marketers, and really every marketer, is doing some form of A-B testing or A-B-C testing or, or whatever, and testing various elements within communications. Terrific. So it's quite satisfying, isn't it, that the principles and practices of direct marketing have been put on steroids thanks to the power of the internet. But where do you think things are going, Ron? Has, has direct marketing changed and where, what should we be anticipating over the horizon? 
Well, you, you mentioned my book uh, title in Japan, and, and that really is kind of how I see the change in, in direct marketing. What I see now is that direct marketing has simply become marketing. And while I have a book and uh, in its eighth edition, as you pointed out, no one's interested in direct marketing. They're interested in marketing. Uh, And as a result, that's the kind of thing where we're really focused on uh, growing it uh, so that it's much more mainstream. And it is. Let me give you one example of of something we're we're seeing uh, that when we write, we have to think about. Um, We now have three audiences that we write for. And whether we're writing in direct mail or email or whatever, these three audiences are very important to us. So we have these consumers or users or end users that we put over in one bucket. We have influencers that we're writing for uh, in a third bucket or second bucket. And in the third bucket, We have algorithms that we're writing for. Even direct mail copy is getting searched uh, and recorded somewhere. So that when we write today, we're having to think, how do we write for this market? How do we write for that market? How do we write for that market? And there's no marketer that's mailing a direct mail package without considering how are they going to communicate that same story to influencers and to algorithms. Ron, that's so interesting, those three audiences. But I'm wondering, how you mentioned direct mail. How can direct mail be viewed as a driver of al- algorithms being built? Well, whether we're writing for direct mail or email or search or anything, we're having to change the copy and, and write it for these three targeted different targets. And again, this is a basic direct marketing concept. We write for different segments in different ways. And that's what we're finding we do. So we may mail direct, but we're writing that story now and posting it for influencers in channels that they can get it for from. And we're posting it for the algorithms in channels that they can get it from because search is so important today. That's interesting. So you're seeing more of that probably coming in the future, that care to address three audiences through multiple media channels. Yeah. So uh, I talk a lot about personalization in in my presentations. I've done a lot of work with uh, Hewlett Packard and Canon who have these wonderful inkjet machines that are able to personalize everything from letters to textiles and, and graphics uh, for, for buses and automobiles. So when we think of, of, of printing, even printing has changed remarkably in the, in the, in the last uh, few decades. But when we, we think of personalization, we think of relevance, making it relevant to consumers and relevant to whoever we're writing for. And this is that same idea, taking the algorithm and writing relevant communications for it, taking the influencer writing relevant for them and, and the consumer or end user and writing relevant for them. So interesting, Ron. Um, I've had a lot of conversations and been part of a lot of uh, discussions with peers that are uh, struggling with attribution. And attribution has become um, a big point of contention for many people. 
because uh, how budgets are allocated based on, you know, who, who the, the biggest response wins or the most proven KPI wins. And so there's a lot of conversation around first and last um, touch attribution. And now that we all live in this more multi-channel, omni-channel world, and, and we believe it's going to continue that way, um, do we have to fight for a seat at the table as direct marketers for attribution to get our fair share of what we believe to be the success? Well, attribution is one of those topics where uh, we talk about it a lot, but yet we define it differently. Everyone defines attribution differently. And as you pointed out, there's first and, and last. Those are the two kinds of attribution, first touch and last touch. And most marketers are still using that. But the reality is somewhere in the averages today. Uh, but the good thing about direct and direct mail particularly is that we can actually say, here's how many people responded. What we can't say is, how did search affect that? How did storytelling affect that? How did out-of-home advertising affect that? But the, the, the good or bad news is that Google Analytics can't really do that either. Uh, that Google Analytics or whatever attribution tool marketers are using doesn't really have the fine uh, uh, capacity to, to really identify where that decision was made because most of those decisions are made in people's heads, not on their fingers or on their computers or where they order from. So on one hand, I love the discussion about attribution because we should be talking about it. But on the other hand, when it's used as a crutch for someone to sell, well, direct mail works so much better for, for you know, because all our customers are buying that way. Well, in retail, no one's buying that way. They're buying retail. Uh, they're going into stores. So how do we know that direct mail caused that? How do we know that email caused that? What we have to really do, I think, is come up with some average for attribution, which, which we're starting to do now with, with AI and other tools being able to really, really look through calculations. We're able to, to do much finer kinds of, of uh of calculations, but this is not a topic that's going to go away, Cindy, any day soon. Yes, well, I'll hear here, Ron. I I think we'll be talking about this for some time. Uh, I agree with you. You brought up AI, and so that that interests me. Um, I've seen some really interesting and clever direct mail formats. I mean, we've always been pushing the envelope, ha, pun intended. Um, <laughs> yeah. On formats, but there's like augmented reality, there's mixed reality, there's, you know, there's all sorts of fascinating creative packaging and format tests going on. Um, where do you see that going? Is this just a, a quirky, interesting uh, trend? Or do you think that some of this is actually working and, and will stick? Things like uh, QR codes are quirky, uh, but useful. And, you know, we, we lost them for a while. For the last uh, five or 10 years, uh, they were popular and then they weren't popular. But now they're popular again because they allow that, that marketer to go from the, the, the printed page to the digital page. And anything that complements today, it, when we talk about omni-channel marketing, anything that complements multi-channel marketing is absolutely the, the right idea. I can't tell you how I think about 
AR and virtual reality and meta and all of that, I think those are not things that have legs. But we see more postcards. We see more self-mailers. We see the whole process of direct mail. And I think that's what business users need right now. They need to move away from just thinking about the number 10 envelope and a response device and a letter to these newer formats, because these newer formats are more uh, duplicative of what people are seeing digitally. And I think that's actually a benefit. Awesome. Wow. Well, I know that, um, Ron, this 20 minutes has gone remarkably quickly. And um, Ruth, I, I know we could just continue uh, with Ron for so much longer, but should we thank him for his time with us today? And, and do you have any last parting thoughts you'd like to share with us? Well, I, I, I really see the future of marketing and direct marketing being totally intertwined. Uh, we're doing new kinds of modeling. We didn't get into that at all. And, uh, I, you know, my book, 700 pages, we're never going to have time to get into every single thing that we talk about. But I see ensemble models. I see uh, meaning models that are now built out of two and three and four different kinds of models being the future of, of what we do so that we can not only model value, but model response and uh, geography. All of these things are becoming so important. So I see the future for marketing being amazing. And uh, I'm so glad to be a part of it. Indeed. Thank you, Ron, so much for joining us today. Yeah, you're very welcome, Ruth and Cindy. Thanks so much for having me. Cindy, wasn't it fun to have that conversation with Ron? He's so knowledgeable. I loved how he pointed out, hey, I've got this 700-page book, and we were only able to touch <laughs> on a, a few of the topics, but Gosh, I, I love how he said, oh, well, he reminded us that marketing today is basically direct marketing <laughs> and that the training that people like you and I had over the years in direct marketing principles, which were considered different from regular marketing, have actually taken over and represent how marketers think and behave today. That was so fun. I agree. And, you know, we have for so long um, been shouting in sometimes an empty room about the importance of being held accountable, measurable, um, looking at testing, being databases. okay, databases, you know, saying it's okay to fail, results are what they are. Um, and now you cannot do anything in marketing that isn't measured, that doesn't have a formal outcome, that you don't take away from it. KPIs, right? Key performance right. indicators are part of every kind of conversation you're going to have. As a communicator, you know, you and I talked in public relations with several of our guests and how they are also uh, needing to uh, be measurable and accountable. And, and, and all of this came out of uh, direct marketing some time ago. So it is reassuring to hear some of those same principles being adopted um, and by I others. Also, yeah. And I, I also loved how the problems that marketers have faced over the years, like attribution, thank you so much for bringing that up, Cindy, 
is a, a, a problem in omni-channel marketing that is likely not to going away anytime soon. It's not going to be resolved by digital methods. There are lots of people who seem to think that all digital marketing is, is um, measurable. But in fact, if you're using multiple channels, you really can't tell which one was essential to converting that customer to a buyer. Um, it, that problem hasn't been solved yet and doesn't look like it's likely to anytime soon. Yeah, it's always a conundrum because um, we are going to continue to have, um, I call them, you know, the turf wars between us until everyone in marketing is all marketing, like we said, and we don't have separate P&Ls and cost centers you know, everyone is always trying to protect their budgets to say, yes, I, my campaign work, give me more money. Mm. Attribution needs to take on. I think it has the opportunity if we took the attribution conversation in a different direction to say, it's not about how your email did or didn't do with a click-through rate and an open rate. It's not about the vanity metrics of awareness. Um, it's not about the, it all has to be about the same objective. And if the objective is engagement, let's understand what the best communication mechanisms are for engagement. If you're talking about conversion, what are the best ways to convert? And we certainly know that direct marketing um, has always played a very important role in the conversion. You know, we're better if you want to call it like further down the funnel in the consideration. It's a type of medium that, that we can rely on even at a higher cost at the conversion part of the conversation, as opposed to the broad awareness, especially in consumer marketing at the top. Yeah. I also appreciated his definition of direct marketing at the yes. beginning because it was media neutral. And that's why I'm a little surprised that he mostly used examples from email and direct mail because his, his definition was, we're using ad media to drive behaviors. We're gonna track, record, analyze, and store in a database. And he referred back to early use of seed catalogs and, and mail order. And that same principle of basically response-oriented, targeted communications that are stored in a database, that's completely irrespective of media channel. So I, I'm delighted that the digital marketers have embraced that concept and are using it in all kinds of di digital channels, search and and on their their websites and in, in social media and everywhere else. Oh goodness! Look what's happened to simple, basic database marketing. And you know, I remind um, our listeners of the podcast we did with David Robb of the CDP Institute, and how and the conversation that we had with Scott on the proliferation of Martech. Mm -hmm. um, everything requires a database, a place to store your data, whether it's a CDP, a UDP, a data lake, it's called so many things now, but yeah. it all fundamentally starts with the ability to capture, store, record, 
And he did. He articulated that exceptionally well for us. So this was terrific. So um, what are you thinking, Ruth, are three takeaways, three of our little piggies that we could distill this down to, uh, considering what a, a terrific and wide ranging conversation we ended up having? Well, I would, of course, begin with this conclusion that uh, that all marketing is direct marketing today. And that could be argued a bit, but I think any modern marketer would em embrace that concept. Yes. I mean, now we're also hearing um, all marketing is communications. I mean, it's, you know, maybe it's not <laughs> right. even marketing anymore, but mm. uh, I agree. It is, it is healthy to see the discipline and the principles that we have embraced be so widely accepted. It's the marketing today. Um, I would like to pick up on that attribution as one of the uh, piggies or, or takeaways. It's important for us to be held accountable in marketing and not to be afraid to be measured and held accountable. And um, attribution is an important conversation we have to continue to have. But Ruth, like you said, um, we're, we haven't solved this one yet. And direct response may have more of a foundation and an ability to do uh, an attribution, but it's an ongoing challenge for us to understand in our omni-channel world um, how to give proper uh, attribution to any channel. It's all together now. It's, it's the soup. It's yeah. the stew. And it's sort of, I think, uh, important for us to realize that even if something is over the horizon in marketing, that something that we have to look forward to, there are some intractable, intractable problems that may never be solved. <laughs> Attribution in multi-touch, multi-channel communications may be one of them. Now, as for a third piggy, let's bring up the topic that we haven't actually discussed yet, which was his idea that copywriters and communicators need to be thinking about three audiences these days, the end user, consumer, target, himself or herself, number one, but also the influencers on that person's behavioral uh, decisions, number two. And really interestingly, the idea that we also need to be writing for the algorithms that are determining so much of what our target audiences see and, and when they see them. So that I thought was a, a breakthrough idea that we should add as our, our third takeaway. What do you say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, consumer marketing being so different from B2B, we've always identified influencers as one of our target markets, right? And having to speak to an influencer different than a buyer. So bringing that into the consumer world and realizing that there are influencer audiences that are different than your buyer audiences was really interesting. And then the idea of algorithms in, um, a, an, in a, a linear offline environment um, was a really interesting conversation there. I wish we had had more time to explore that, Ruth, to say, what does that really mean? How would you apply that to some of these um, you know, actual practical applications um, in our messaging? But that's something that maybe we can explore further in a future podcast. Indeed. And as Ron said, you know, a 700-page book is hard to 
collapse into a 20 minute <laughs> discussion. So, so I guess we have to end it here, Cindy. And thanks again for a terrific conversation today. You bet. I'm going to go pull out my Ron Jacobs book and refresh my memory. Yes. Successful direct marketing methods is the title. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash mctoday to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive updates.